Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Wonderful. You know, tonight during the worship, I, um, I began to feel in my heart the Lord saying, house of freedom, house of freedom, house of freedom, house of freedom. And I looked over there and I saw two huge angels standing by the door. And, and beside them, they were beginning to take chains off people and, and um, crutches. And I don't mean like physical crutches, but I mean like spiritual crutches that people had been carrying around outside. And God was saying that he is setting this house as a house of freedom. This is going to be a house of deliverance. This is going to be known as a house of freedom. And it didn't it wasn't like there was a whole heap of hard work having to go on by the leaders because it was people submitting and coming into the house of God. And these angels were just stripping this stuff off as the people came in. So be um be aware that there are some amazing things gonna happen in this house. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to share some more family stories with you tonight. Who loves family stories? I love family stories. Is there anyone that wasn't here last night? Give me a wave. Most of you were here, one or two of you. So last night, with my husband shared about um, our son Mark coming free from a spirit of self-hatred. And Mark was married to Shannon, and they've got three children. Uh, a son, the eldest son is Zach. And then the next son is Oscar. And now they've got a little girl called Tilly. And Wes is going to share at the miracle of Tilly um, after I've shared. But anyway, Oscar. Oscar has got this amazing ability to give these one-liners. And when he was four, he would come out with these great lines. So one day I looked at him and he had this little ribbon. And he had the collar of his shirt up. And he had this ribbon, and he was slowly, slowly, slowly putting it into a tie, you know, like his granddad's tie. And he was doing it. He's going, look at this, Grandma. And I go, what, Oscar? He said, have you ever seen it? And I'm going, what, Oscar? He said, I can do this up really fast in slow motion. (laughs) Another line that he said to me that really struck, struck me. He said, Grandma, you know what? I said, what, Oscar? He said, I'm a superhero, but I just don't know it. (laughs) The reason that struck me is I felt the Holy Spirit say, so many of my kids don't know that they're superheroes. We don't realize the power that is available to us, the power that is within us, the glory of God that is upon us. And I want to share with you tonight the story of what happened to our granddaughter, Aliana, and if um, I think we might have, there's a go through the pictures. I know we'll maybe have to see the ones that we saw last night. So that's Mark and his daughter Shannon, and then we keep going. That was Kimberly told about her story. That's Bella that was born healthy, and this is Aliana. Now, when Aliana was four, her parents were staying temporarily with us. And she was one of these little girls that just goes like 100 miles an hour. She is just full of joy and laughter. And we were down in our room 
in a two-story house. We were living downstairs so that our grown kids could be upstairs. And our daughter came and banged on our door early in the morning and said, Mum, Dad, come quickly. There's something terribly wrong with Aliana. And we raced upstairs. And there was this little girl who's usually so full of life. And she looked like she was like half collapsed in her dad's arms. And then as we watched, she went fully unconscious. And, and she just went grey. And I said, quick, put her on the floor in the recovery position and ring the ambulance. And uh, I knew from a little bit of first aid that if you can't get the pulse on a child or anybody for that matter or, or feel their heart or anything, that you can um, put a mirror by their mouth and see whether there is any moisture comes, steam comes onto the mirror. And I couldn't get Aliana's pulse I couldn't feel her heart, her chest wasn't rising alone, and we put a mirror right in front of her lips and there was no moisture coming on that mirror at all. So she was, um, there was no apparent sign of life about this child in any way. And my daughter was, um, got through to the ambulance and they, they said, you know, what, is she doing this, is she doing that? No, 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 there was just no sign of life. And Wesley and I stood over this little girl and a righteous indignation rose up within us. And we, we felt a rage against the devil rise up within us. And we thought, this is not happening in our home and this is not happening to our granddaughter. This is not happening on our watch. And we began to fight for that little girl. And I, I remember hearing myself shouting at her, that Aliana, come back in Jesus' name. Come back in Jesus' name. And I was hearing Wesley standing beside me, standing over her body, saying, in Jesus' name, I command the spirit of death to come off this child right now. At the same time, our daughter was weeping down the, down the phone to the ambulance people, and they were about 20 minutes away. And we just kept commanding life back into this little girl. And it was about 20 minutes before the ambulance pulled into our drive. And all of that time, she never took a breath. And just when they pulled into the drive, a couple of little bubbles formed on her lips. And she took a big, staggering kind of <gasps> breath. And we got her sitting up. And it was like she wasn't quite there. It was like she was still very vague, but she was breathing and she was alive. They took her into hospital and they discovered that she had a condition that some children have, they grow out of. She had a condition that um, where the body doesn't break down protein and turn it into energy in the body. And these children, or that, if it's undiagnosed, will often die of cardiac arrest they'll go into like a, a really bad coma and then into cardiac arrest. And that's what had happened to her. And so for 20 minutes, she hadn't been breathing. Well, you know, they did, um, you can flip to the next one, the next photo. Here she is today. She's just had her 13th birthday. You know, they, they did all these diagnostic tests on Aliana, expecting that somebody that had been dead for 20 minutes, that there would be severe brain damage. and. She was, uh, I think she was about seven when they did all the full range of diagnostic tests. And they came back and they said, this child has got the intelligence of an 11 or 12 year old. Hang on a minute. This little girl had 20 minutes with no oxygen. 
that God is able to do far more abundantly, more than you dream, more than you hope, more than you ask for. So I want to share some scriptures. First one I'm going to read, I don't know whether you've got the Passion Translation there or not, but Ephesians 1.19, I love it. In the Passion Translation, it says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Don't you love that? I love it. Ah, Ephesians 3.16 in the New King James Version. So I'm going to have you jump in all over the show if you can. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner, inner man. You know, the original Greek strengthened there, that word means empowered and increased in vigor. Who needs to be increased in vigor tonight? I tell you what, the Holy Ghost wants to fill you with power. He wants to fill you with vigor. He wants you rippling with spiritual muscles tonight so that when things happen, you actually know you have the power within. You have the goods. You have the goodness of God within you and you can flow in that power. You're there for the moment. You don't need to be fasting. I'm not saying not to fast and pray, but when something suddenly happens, you need to know you had that power of God within you. Amen? All right. That word might is that might, it's that word that we often know as dunamis power. Now, I love how Thayer brings it out. Uh, he says that it's power residing, power for miracles, moral power, power of influence, power of resources, and the power that rests on armies, forces, and heavenly hosts. Let's think about that for a moment. Let's think about that you have power residing within you. You have power for miracles. You have moral power to make the right decisions when the pressure comes on. You have the power of influence. There is a God-given power upon you and within you to be able to influence your neighbors, to be able to influence your family to come to Christ. It is within you. You have it available to you. There is power of resources. God has already put a gift within you for resources to come to you so you can be a blessing, so you can be like a channel of blessing to those around you. That power is upon you. It is the power that rests on heavenly hosts. Let's think about that for a moment. The power of God that rests on the heavenly hosts is within you. Come on. Come on. It's time to get a grip on what is available and within us. He is upon us. He is within us. And he desires to move in this power. It's not a day to begin groveling in the dirt. Oh, God, I need more. It's a day of standing up and realizing what you've got. Come on. Come on. It's a day for the saints to be empowered, to realize that they are equipped, to realize that they are blessed. Because I tell you what, this nation and the nations of the Pacific need you to know that. They need you to know that you are rich with the goodness and the power of God. Amen. Mmm. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, again, Passion Translation. 
never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. I think it's time where Wes is going to take over in a minute, but I think we need to jump to our feet and use what how Thea broke down the um, that Greek word and the understanding of the power. Let's turn it into decrees. Let's get it coming out of our mouth. Let's get our spirit charged up with what we actually have here. All right. Okay. Let's decree this. Father God, I thank you that I have your power residing in me. Put your hand on your belly when you say that. I have this power residing in me. Power for miracles. Moral power. The power of influence. The power of resources and the power that is on heavenly hosts. I thank you, Father, that you are upon me. You are within me, Holy Spirit. Show me. Reveal to me. Give me opportunity to flow in this Holy Ghost power to change Raratonga to shift my world, to see my family saved, to move in my community, to be an advertisement for your glory and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, darling. Thank you. You may be seated. <laughs> I love it. Who remembers the story of uh, Daniel and the three lads that were taken captive into Babylon? You, you know the story? Right. They, they called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they had their original names, which I, I haven't memorized all their original names, but one of the, thing, one of the things the world tries to do is to rename you. And uh, it tries to rename, rename you in some way. It tries to label you. It tries to put a definition on you. It tries to create an identity for you, which is not the identity of God, which is not the identity that you have in Christ. One of the things that's happening in these days, and I believe we're in a moment, or not a moment, we're in a period of time where there's an accelerated dimension of revelation uh, for the sons and daughters of God. And uh, because all of creation is groaning in earnest expectation for the manifestations of the sons of God. And various people have interpreted that different ways and, and, and formed various doctrines out of it. But the word says that all of creation will come into the liberty of the children of God. So sooner or later, creation is going to come into a dimension of healing and liberty in the lib uh, through the liberty of the children of God, because the sons and daughters of God, the sons of God in terms of uh, inheritance, and so, are going to be manifest. They're going to be revealed. Now, whether that's in the resurrection 
or whether that's uh, before the resurrection, at least partly, or with, whether that's unfolding now. I don't have a total and absolute handle on that. But what I do know is this, that the Holy Spirit has had an agenda for, for, for a long time. There's been this accelerated unfolding of the identity of the believer in Christ, of the genuine believer in Christ. How many people love Ephesians? the book of Ephesians. I've, I've, I, at times, I've just felt like I've lived in Ephesians. If you look at my Bibles, and, you know, as, as a number of you will have, you will perhaps have worn out one and, or start falling to bits so you get another one and, and, uh, and so on. But that, one, that other one is a favorite. It's got notes in it. It's got places where, you know, you can see the books you've spent most time in. Well, if you look at mine, uh, it, 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 there's more dirty pages in Ephesians. There's more finger marks in Ephesians than any other book. So I just, I just absolutely love Ephesians. Ephesians elevates, Paul, by the Holy Ghost, elevates the identity of Christ uh, to his proper place in our understanding. Not only that, once you, once you have the elevation of Christ to who he is and his proper standing and proper enthronement and so on, then also you can actually see the elevation of the believer of Christ of the saint of God, of the, the holy one of God. You can see in that the revelation unfold of who the sons and daughters of God actually are. And that's why Ephesians is so wonderful to study and dig into because the Holy Spirit uses it, because he, he inspired Paul to write it, uh, to actually impact us, to shift us out of the worldly identities that may have impacted us or have, have wrecked around us or they're self-imposed and bring us out of that old realm of those old identities which are always much less than God called us to be and bring us into an identity that has attached to it phenomenal inheritance. Have you ever considered a will that a person will write and as they get older that will uh, becomes more and more relevant as they approach mortality, you know what I'm saying? And so some of us revisit our wills and just tweak them so that if anything happened to us, our families have a very direct and clear understanding of what was to be purposed and activated and so on. Well, we have in Ephesians, along with most of the scriptures, uh, we have in Ephesians an unfolding of the will of heaven and an unfolding of the will of God. And one of the things that is his absolute will is that you know who you are. Last night I said briefly uh, that um, the first relationship that Adam and his wife experienced a shift in, uh, that's in, in terms of the way it's written, was the shift in their relationship with themselves. They perceived their nakedness to be somehow deficient, uh, uh, evil, or wh whatever, whatever it was, or they were ashamed of their, their nakedness, and they sought to cover themselves. And so right from the first moment where that, that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was partaken of, immediately their thinking and their understanding of themselves becomes clouded and distorted, and, start, and, and shame and self-rejection starts to take root, and a different identity than the one that God had given them in creation started to take root in their spirit and in their soul. Well, through the gospel through the gospel of the kingdom, through, through the work of the cross, the, the resurrection, the ascension, and the enthronement of Jesus, 
uh, and the giving of the Word of God, God is undoing the old identities and the fallen identities that many of us have grown up in or have been touched by in some way. And he's, he's releasing by the Holy Ghost through the Word of God a son of God, a daughter of God identity into us. And that identity is, is attached to an inheritance. Because the will of a person is always about the inheritance they will receive when, that, when the person who wrote the will dies. Now, the, the, the New Testament is the will of God made uh, manifest, and that will has been activated because Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood, and died. You, you understand that? Don't you? Do you understand that? The will of Jesus, the will of God, and the new covenant has been activated because the one who wrote the will has gone to the cross, shed his blood, and died. So the will now is activated. By his stripes we were healed has been activated. All these dimensions, these promises have been activated. We're not so much waiting for some of them to be fulfilled. They have been activated. And now as we step into them, as, as we grow in our identity through the Holy Ghost and as a son and daughter of God, then we lay hold of those dimensions of the inheritance and we're able to activate them through faith and through the leading and, 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 and leading of the Holy Spirit to see the power of the kingdom flow through us to affect the earth in a whole, in a whole way that God has intended. And so just as, as, as we see a massive increase in the confusion of identity, we all know what we're talking about, the confusion of identity to the, point, to the point it's become absurdly ridiculous. It's absurd. The thinking of the world that is pushing this agenda, the demonic realm is pushing this agenda, has, has moved into the realm of absurdity. It's moved into the realm of a disconnect from reality. They're quoting science, but wanting you to, so-called science, but wanting you to deny basic biology. You hear what I'm saying? And so, 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 what's, so you've got that agenda happening where there's this massive confusion being unleashed in society about identity, but the kingdom of God is never outwitted. Jesus is, the Father has never been outwitted by Satan. He's, the Father has always been prepared for what Satan would try and move and do. That's why the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain before the foundations of the world because he understood what would happen and he made, made provision for the agenda of darkness so he could completely override it and dismantle it and release a family of God on earth that's you and I. And so I think it's, it's well, I'm not, I don't think, it's, uh, no, it's, an, it's incredibly important that you and I, by the Holy Ghost, uh, in these days laying a hold of the understanding of your true identity as a son and daughter of God, uh, in these days, because it's connected to inheritance. You cannot, a person cannot lay hold of their inheritance if they don't know who they are. Knowing who you are enables you to connect to an inheritance. Now, here's the thing. You see, orphans, orphans who, in, in the Jewish society, were people who did not have a father. Uh, they, did not have, uh, they did not have that instilling of identity. They didn't have somebody protect them and fight for them. They didn't have somebody to impart identity into them. And they didn't have an inheritance. 
They were, had, to fight, or they had to survive and fight for themselves on their own. Well, the church is being bought out of, the believing church is being bought out of an, of an orphan mentality. It's being brought into an understanding of the love of the Father, the goodness of the Father, the, the, the purposes of the Father, and, and, and the Father is infusing identity into us because in that identity, we know who we are and we connect to the inheritance. It's just, a, it's just what's happening in these days. It's so, so vitally, vitally important. Uh, that was a bit of a bunny trail, really, I think. I, I, don't, I don't know, but uh, when Janet preaches, she gets me wound up, you know. And uh, thank you so much for inviting us, Jonathan and Natasha. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Just love your people. You're, you're just so warm. You've been so warm to us and friendly to us. It's just, it's just, it's just wonderful. And uh, thank you so much. And so um, I've known your brother for I think nearly 32 years, uh, Paul. And 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 for you know a number of times, Paul and I would meet and maybe have a coffee. He would he, he would often really rave about you you know he was obviously very proud of you you know and so just just wanted to say that uh if we if we go back to ephesians um ephesians 1 chapter 15 i think you you read out of this didn't you janet i'm reading from the new king james ephesians 1 verse 15 uh this is one of the great apostolic prayers uh this is a phenomenal prayer and I've often prayed this over myself and prayed this over the church. Uh, and um, because Paul was being moved on by the Holy Ghost and Paul had, had revelation into heaven, he had, we believe he was caught up into glory and saw things and experienced things which he said were not legal uh, for a man to tell. So there was things that Paul saw and experienced in heaven that he never wrote because it says they were illegal for him. That they were just too, there was just something he couldn't, he couldn't speak of them. But the things he did speak of and the revelation he did have, you see, Paul was the one who on the way to Damascus was, had letters of authority from the Sanhedrin to arrest Jewish believers of the way or the followers of, of, of Yeshua or Jesus and take them back in, in chains uh, or to have them in prison to have them, and, and all sorts of repercussions out of that. Uh, he, he was bent on and he believed he was, doing, he was fulfilling the will of God. He, he thought he was doing God the favor. He thought he was doing the work of God by doing this. And of course, we know most of us know the story. On the way... He has this incredible encounter where heaven opens up and the glory of the Lord shines on him and Jesus speaks to him from heaven. And Paul is, Paul is on the ground and he's, and he's, he's looking up into heaven and the, and the glory is shining around him and his companions are seeing the glory but I don't think they're hearing the voice. Paul hears his voice. Uh, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then, of course, all the instructions come out of that. Paul has this absolutely radical conversion. He's, 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 he's whipped within an inch of his death, I think it was four times. Was it four times? Correct me if I'm wrong. He was shipwrecked, I think it was at least once, but maybe, I think, twice. He left floating in the sea for a period of time. Uh, this, this guy, this guy had, had encounters and revelations uh, and, and, and stood the test of 
a proven apostle, <laughs> had heavenly revelation, had Jesus open heaven up to him and speak to him, this is the guy who penned this. Okay? So Paul had revelation and understanding that has been the foundation revelation and understanding for the New Covenant Church for 2,000 years. And he says this, and he prays this. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your, excuse me, love, there we go, there's the glasses on, and your love for all the saints, that's, that's something really worth remembering. After I heard of your faith, another translation says strong faith, and it translates tender love for all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. And this is the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. <clears throat> that, that you may know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceedingly, seek, sorry, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward you who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. What a phenomenal thing. This is the, this is the apostle. This is the apostle to the Gentile praying and asking that the believers in Ephesus, really it was a circular letter, if this is for everybody, that these things we would know. Now, know in the Scripture is not just intellectual knowledge like a Western Greek, a Greek way of thinking. It's the intimate connection. It's the experiential knowledge. It's knowledge that has encounter and experience. It's, it's that kind of knowing that you would know. What, how would we know these things? By the spirit of wisdom and revelation that will come upon us and has come upon us. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation and, 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 and moves of God. That's why in genuine moves of God, there's always an opening up of revelation of things you may have, you've had hints of before, but in a move of God, there'll be a dimension, the dimensions of revelation that you see things that you've never seen to that dimension before. And those things become written in your spirit. They become written in your heart and they change you forever. That's why in worship times and in praise times where there's a good genuine dimension of the presence and manifest presence of the Holy Ghost, that's why revelation will just start popping in your heart. Scriptures that you've known for years maybe suddenly just burst into another level of life and in your heart you go, oh my goodness, I haven't seen that before. I haven't seen that before. Oh my goodness. What, what is, it's the spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation moving on it. And we're in an accelerated time of the spirit of revelation moving on. The spirit of wisdom and revelation moving on. One of the precious things about a genuine move of God and the move of the Holy Ghost is increased revelation in the areas that God wants us to grow in. Every re genuine revival of the past brought reformation of revelation. Brought increase of revelation. That's why we never want to miss a move of God. 
an outpouring of God. We never want to miss an outpouring of God. Excuse me while I just refocus for a moment. <laughs> so the spirit of wisdom and revelation coming upon us, that we would know. That the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our, of our imagination, people, oh, imagination, oh, what about vain imagination? Well, they're ba vain imaginations, yeah, they're, they're no good. But the imagination is the faculty that God's given us the inside where he can, he can put impressions in. He can put vision into. He can put revelation into. And when our, when, our, when, our, when our imagination is sanctified and holy and shaped by the Word of God, then that, that becomes incredibly powerful too. Everything you see around came out of somebody's imagination in the sense they saw it first inside and then they worked to create it. And so God... God God wants to not only cleanse our imagination, but also imprint into our imagination the things of heaven, the things of eternity, the things of his character, the things of his nature. What he wants to do, to enlighten our understanding and our imagination that we may know the hope to which we're called. I want to read to you out of... Um, See, we're living in times of accelerated revelation, times uh, where the five where fivefold graces have been have been have been uh, uh, recognised uh, by not the whole church, but at least a, a portion of the church. Everything starts with a portion, uh, and and the the those full equipping graces of Jesus, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for the equipping of the saints for their works of ministry and for the maturing of saints so that they grow up in maturity and are not easily tossed around by every wind of doctrine, etc., etc., etc. We're living in accelerated times of this. And, and, and it's very deliberate. You see, the enemy has accelerated certain things. It's hideous. But... God has never outsmarted. He's, he, he's, he's never caught off guard. And so he's been working for some time now by the Holy Ghost, bringing revelation of the sons and daughters of God and who they are. So that the body of Christ would reach, uh, reach a level of fullness and maturity that the character and nature of Christ, the character and nature of God the Father, would be manifest in the earth, in the body of Christ, like never before. And, and John chapter 17, verse, verse 6, two very special, I don't know why they're special, well, I do know why, but there's just something about these two passages that really just means so much to me. John chapter 17, verse 6. Jesus is praying. He's, in his, he's praying what people call his high priestly prayer. John chapter 17. And he's praying, praying to the Father. The guys can hear. There's certain things they hear. And in, in, in John chapter 17, verse 6, the amplified version, it says this. I, and Jesus, I have manifested your name. Amplified expands that I've manifested, I have revealed your very self, your real self, to the people whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed and kept your word. Then in John 
17:26, he repeat, repeats a very similar phrase. And he says, I have made your name known to them and revealed your character and your very self. And I will continue to make you known that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, may be felt in their hearts, and that I myself may be in them. So if that is the, because Jesus came, uh, one of the reasons Jesus came was to manifest the nature of God on earth. Because he's the fullness of God in bodily form. He's Hebrews 1, 1, uh, 1 to 3 in the Amplified especially, it brings it out beautifully. He is, he, is the, he is the radiance of the divine. He is the exact imprint of the Godhead, of the Father, Son of the Father and the Holy Ghost. He is the Word, the living Word made flesh. And one of the other apostles said, we saw Him, we touched Him, we beheld His glory. And so the very, one of the very fundamental purposes that Jesus came was to manifest and reveal the true character of the Father so that people, when they look at Jesus, they're looking at the one who sent Him. Jesus said to Philip, have you not known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. So here by extension, if we are in Christ, and we are, if you're in Christ and you are, you are in Christ, we are one spirit with him. We're being, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are being, we are being, we're being realigned to heaven, realigned to the character of God. That's what our lifetime of repentance is about. And the purpose is that the nature and the, 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 the character of Christ would be formed in us so that the body of Christ becomes a living manifestation of the character and the goodness of God in the earth. Amen. That, every, that no man, no woman would be without excuse. That everywhere that the true body of Christ goes, there's a manifestation of the nature of the Father. And that manifestation of the nature of Father is seen in righteousness and holiness and goodness, but it's also in the manifestation of His power. Because when Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, that was a manifestation of, of the righteousness of God. The way Jesus treated people, the way Jesus treat, treated broken people, hurt people, diseased people, was a manifestation of the very character of God himself. So I'm convinced of this, that as the church matures, that as the true believers mature and are transformed through the working of the Word and the Spirit of God and we, we cooperate with Him in true repentance, then the character of God will be so formed in us that the world will see a demonstration of God on the earth, just as the Jews, as the Israelites and, and those Gentiles who were around that scene saw a manifestation of God in the earth, whether they realized it or not. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. To be, to be in Christ in these days is to be in an accelerated season of transformation. We must cooperate with Him. We must cooperate with them and taking the word into our heart, mixing it with faith. We must cooperate with aligning our hearts with them and our mind with them. We must be repentant. I was going to read to you out of the... I don't know if you're okay with the Passion Translation here, but I, I like it. I like it in some verses. 
and then some of the places I, I love Romans in it, and I, I've, I've enjoyed parts of Ephesians in it. But, but New King James is my mainstay. But uh, I, I sometimes read out of it because the language in it is really easy for new believers. Uh, and so I want to, if, if it's okay, I want to read Ephesians 1, verse 15. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your tender love toward all the devoted ones, that's a very significant statement. This church was rebuked later on for leaving its first love. We understand the first love to be our love for Jesus, our love for the Father. But the thing is, they were commended for loving the Lord, their faith in the Lord, and they were commended for love for one another. I'm just wondering if part of their moving away from their first love was a diminishing of their love for each other. Just a thought. So if we return to loving one another... My heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, to know him through your, through your deepening intimacy with him. There's another big topic, isn't it, is intimacy with the Lord. It's a big Holy Ghost theme. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. Verse 19, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of his immense power as it works through you. <clears throat> this is the mighty power that re was released, excuse me, when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. I, uh, you know, sometimes we can read these things too quickly. We've got to stop and ponder this. Do you mean to say that the power that is toward us because we believe, that power that works in us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? Do you mean that that dimension of power overcome your, overcame your sin, overcame my sin? Jesus didn't die for his own sin. He died as a repercussion of ours. All the wrath of God for our sin was placed upon him. All of the results of the fall, the sickness, the disease, the power and the authority of that was, was broken as he was crucified. He was placed into that tomb. But even all of that that was heaped upon him and imparted to him couldn't hold him in the tomb because his blood sacrifice was so efficacious, was so perfect, so pure, so powerful, so complete that... Satan could not hold him in a tomb. Death could not hold him in a tomb. Judgment couldn't hold him in a tomb. The wrath of God couldn't hold him in a tomb because it was satisfied. Nothing could hold him in that tomb. And the very power of God that raised him from the dead is the very power that works in you and I. 
the sooner we accept this and understand this and meditate on this and begin to value it even more highly, I believe it'll shift us into a place where the expectation of miracles in our hearts being released because of how we minister under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit will be more regular. I, I, you know, I get into these verses at times and I, I ponder them and I meditate on them and, I, and remnants of religiosity in my mind are going, this can't be true, this, this, this can't be true. But my spirit is just singing. My spirit is just leaping within me. Sometimes I get up off the, off the seat and I, 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 go, I just walk around in the room. I'm, I feel like I just want to jump out of my skin. This is just so, so powerful. This is just so wonderful. And, and, and my religious, bits of religious remnant that are still in my mind are going, no, that's too good to be true. But, but, but my spirit is saying, no, it is true. Because your spirit always knows more than your mind mind and your spirit is saying yes it's true yes it's true and your mind is sometimes fighting it but then the more your mind comes into alignment with what the spirit is knowing to be true then the joy just increases and you feel like oh my goodness my skin can't even contain the joy and the excitement of what this means it's just phenomenal and so I just get so excited when I read this and I'm if I'm if I'm if I'm a bit hard to understand or I'm speaking to, whatever the case may be, it's just the, the, the reality of this. I just want the reality of this to burn into me. I just want the reality of this to blow out any religious remnants. I want the reality of this to cause me to wonder at the majesty and the kindness and the goodness of God that he would take a young dyslexic joiner and turn his life around and make his life meaningful and cause his power, the same power that raised Jesus Jesus from the dead to dwell in me so that so that people could see something of the goodness of God through my life. What an incredible privilege that is to be a son of God in this hour, to be a daughter of God in this hour. Who would want religion? Who would want religiosity? Who would want to go back to the old pagan idolatry? Who would want to be confused about our identity? We are sons and daughters of God. Oh, there's a lot more Ephesians I was going to read, but I've, I'm, I'm chewed up my time thoroughly. <laughs> sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, well, not so I'm sorry. I, I, I repent. Not sorry. What Janice said about Aliana earlier, you know, just the, the, there's our little granddaughter on the floor, lifeless. And the sense not on our watch, not in our house, not on our watch. It's our granddaughter. And the, the sense of of indignation, the sense of and 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 being able to minister and and command the spirit of death to leave her and Janet calling her back, the sense of, he, of heaven's backing, the sense that we were not powerless, the sense that we were not left to our own devices, the sense that, we had, that heaven was behind us was a profound thing in that moment. A profound thing in that moment. And I know that people have experienced tragedies and, and they haven't seen a breakthrough, they haven't seen a, an outcome like that, but I want to tell you, Heaven is for you. Heaven is for you in Christ. 
His power is toward you because you believe. It's not just toward Murray, although he is. <laughs> not just toward Jonathan, although he is. He's toward you. The power, his, his power is toward you because you believe. So when you step into that place where you're faced with a challenge and it feels like a life and death situation in that moment, you've got heaven to call on because this is about the kingdom of God. This is about the will of God being released. This is about Satan's kingdom being, being shut down and the kingdom of God being released. It wasn't God's will for that little girl to die on our carpet. It was the will of God for her to live and fulfill the destiny that God had already prepared for her before time began. Some three years ago, two years ago, two, two and a half, three years ago, got a call from my son, uh, son in Australia, and he just wanted to talk to me alone. I thought, oh, that's interesting. He said, Dad, could you go into another room? I said, okay. Yeah. He said, uh, he said, uh, what, what, how, how were you when you found out mum was pregnant with Danielle? That was our last child, and, and that was our last child by six years. So we'd sold all the stuff, didn't have any of the stuff for a baby anymore, all that sort of thing. And for the first couple of months, I was kind of in a state of shock because we, we had to get, we had, I, I, just, I was in a state of shock. I just had to, we had to rethink life. And some of you know what that's like. And, and, and my, I said, I said, why, Mark? <laughs> he said, well, uh, Shannon's pregnant. It's been 12 years since their last child, 12 years. And I'm going, oh, wow, wow. And I said, well, I'll tell you how I felt, you know. But I got used to it. And then, you know, so on and so on and so forth. And, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then after a while, I could tell, I could hear the excitement in his voice. After a month or two, a week, and then a month, and two months, and three months, excitement in his voice. And then one day, we, when she had her first scan, we got, a, we got a call from them, and they were shattered. They were just shattered. And they just had a scan at uh, Adelaide Hospital. It was Adelaide, wasn't it? And the scan showed that Tilly, the little baby in the womb, her lungs and her kidneys were full of cysts. And the medical people, and there was five specialists apparently, viewed the results, viewed the scans, and, sp and all of them were urging them to have an abortion, to terminate and have an abortion, to the point where one of them said, if you do not do this, uh, you're not loving the child, you're not being compassionate, you're, you're, you're so on and so on and so forth. The prognosis was terrible. The prognosis was she probably won't make the, live the pregnancy. Uh, if she does, then she'll probably die soon afterwards. We have not seen a child, we have not seen a child with this, with this condition survive. They, they talked to us, they were shattered. And so we just, you just, you just knew, and, 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 and it hits you. And you're going, okay, it's war now. It's war. And you just have to square your shoulders, and I remember Janet and I, you just have to square your shoulders, and you just have to take a stance in your spirit, and you say, no, we're going we're gonna to believe God. We're going to pray, we're going to believe God. We're going to pray, we're going to believe God. And so every morning uh, when, we, when we had communion together, we were just off communion, off the power of the blood, off the power of Jesus, the bread of heaven. We would launch into prayer for, for this little girl who they'd named Tilly.
And, and we just started to decree and declare, uh, sorry, to, to pray for our lungs, pray for our kidneys, pray the, the cyst to move, the power of God to move on in the womb. So, and every morning we were just, just praying, 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 praying. And, um, and, and then the next time, uh, the, there was a number of scans over this next period of time. And uh, each time the scan came back, there was, there was less cysts in the lungs. But there was still cysts in the kidney. So for the medical people, it was still a very hopeless situation. But they were saying they've never seen the cyst diminish like this. Then after, I don't know how many scans, by the time, I, can, can you come up and help me with the story? After, after about, um, every, every time there was a scan, there were less cysts. And it got to the point where there were no cysts in the lungs. And, and they were made, they were starting to call this little baby a miracle baby. They, they, it caused discussions among the specialists. Uh, can you just give the details on, on how it progressed? So the medic, medical people began to send the x-rays and the scans overseas because it has never been heard of in the world before that a child with this condition, that the cysts would begin to disappear. And it's always just like routine that they abort these babies. And, um, and they, they were absolutely shocked. And they, they went from basically demanding that uh, my daughter-in-law have an abortion to apologizing and, and saying, oh, we're so sorry, we don't understand this. We don't understand, we're so sorry. And then they went from that to, well, how's our miracle baby doing? <laughs> and uh, they ended up shifting house, they moved into another area, and when they got into that area, the law had changed, and because of the age of, of um, you know, she still wasn't born, but because of the age of her, they no longer put pressure on them to abort her. And... Uh, yeah, we. I think you probably can take over now, can't you? So, to cut a long story short. She was born. Uh, she was born. Uh, they said that they would treat her as a normal baby. She was born. Uh, she was able to breathe. They, all, all the things were pretty well normal. There was one little thing at the top of her kidneys, which they ended up operating on later and doing a replumbing job. Uh, which you kind of think, well, why didn't God do the whole deal? I don't know. All I know is, could you bring the photo of of that little girl, of little Tilly? That's her now. <laughs> Isn't she gorgeous? <laughs> and, uh, you know, from, from somebody they said had no hope to that bouncy, very smart, very intelligent, talkative <laughs> little girl, and she's uh, just so outgoing and got her father around her little finger. There he is. <laughs> you know... <laughs> The power of God is toward us because we believe. The power of God is toward us. And there was a time in our prayer that I felt inside of me, and you can't ever dictate this to anybody or say they should do this, but I felt like there was a time that I had to move from prayer and request to decree and thanksgiving. And I, and I, I had to move from the prayer, decree, whatever, to thanksgiving for the miracle, to thanksgiving for the deliverance, thanksgiving for, you know, we, sh we show you these testimonies because, you know, it, it was King David or King Solomon said, one generation stands and, gives and, and tells the glory of God to another. One generation declares the glory of God to another. I, I love to hear the stories of the glory of God. I love to hear the people's testimonies of the glory of God because the world is, is full of bad news. 
it's, it, religion is full of the God can'ts or God won'ts, but the, in the kingdom of God, it's the I will, it's the I have, it's the I can, and it's my power that's toward you because you believe, and it's and it's the the, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Are we still learning how to operate in this? Absolutely. Do we see a breakthrough on every point? We haven't yet, but what I'm saying is this: that the more we hear, the more we understand, the more we grow in the identity of as sons and daughters of God, the more I believe it's right that our expectation for the miraculous increases. Uh, the expectation for the power of God to move through us increases. And it's not an arrogance thing. It's not a selfish thing. It's nothing. It's about the glorification of our King. It's about Him being made famous through our lives. It's about us manifesting His character into the world. Amen? So we, that's, the, that's the reason we share that story with you, just to encourage you, because some of, somebody here may be facing a situation that's similar to that, or something of a similar ilk. Just don't give up. Keep praying from what Jesus has achieved. If you want to use communion as your springboard, the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, as a springboard of faith into praying in that situation, go for it. But all I'm saying is this, the power, His power is toward you because you believe. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. His power is toward you because you believe. When Pastor Murray came to the church we were part of, when we, before we came into the leadership of the church, he was the first ministry that our previous pastor called into the church after we were planted out of the city New Life Church. And Leo said to me, Murray Watkinson's the one I want to bring in first. He's the first outside ministry since planting. So when Murray came in, he ministered and that sort of thing, and he, he prayed for us. You, you, and you don't remember this, and I wouldn't expect you to. Far too many people. Uh, but one of the things he said to me, he said, he said to us, he said, God is going to establish you in the gates, and you're going to need to war for your family. I'm not blaming you. <laughs> You're going to need to war for your family. And we didn't understand what that actually meant. But my goodness, we've had to war for our family. But I want to say this. We've seen some wonderful victories because of that warfare and, and because of the goodness of God and the power of God. And so we just want to be a testimony of the glory of God to you. But here's the deal. <laughs> His power is toward you. His power is toward you. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.